This podcast is sponsored by Meridian. For custom integrators, it's all about the performance. We get that at Meridian. That's why we craft high-res audio solutions, purpose-built for integrators, that put the listener right at the heart of the performance. High-res audio, engineered for you, built by Meridian. It's the future of sound. Hello and welcome to The Integrated Home. We are the podcast produced by the home integration community for the home integration community. My name is Jeff Hayward and with my industry guest today, we'll be looking at the big issue of lighting. How can you bring lighting design and lighting control into your business? And what scale of service and integration do customers expect? And how will it change your business offering for the better? Award season is approaching fast on the horizon, so we'll also be asking about the value of taking part in award schemes. What does it take to win an award, and is it worth all the effort? Welcome to The Integrated Home. We're podcasting from the Homeplay Experience Centre in Sunbury-on-Thames today, and joined here by Homeplay's Managing Director, James Ratcliffe, alongside Nick Black, Principal of The Pyramid Group. Welcome to you both. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Firstly, James, can you tell me a little bit about you and Homeplay? Sure. Um, I started out in the home technology industry by getting a job in my local hi-fi shop when I was 14. I wanted to be able to buy a really good hi-fi system. So uh, being able to get hi-fi trade prices and work it off was my plan there. And I ended up staying there for 10 years until I was 24. And then I had a short time working for someone else and then decided to start Homeplay in 2006. So... We've been going 13 years, and I've enjoyed almost every minute of it. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Nick? I started off life in kind of theatre. From about the age of kind of nine or ten, um, literally I was kind of playing with lights and things and what have you in my kind of local theatre up in Dundee in Scotland, where I'm from. And then kind of subsequently found myself and did various things, uh, such as uh, working in the West End uh, in London in various theatre, doing lighting and, and technical things, stage technician. Ended up at uh, Scottish Opera up in Glasgow, worked with Scottish Opera and Scottish Ballet for a while, then moved eventually down into Plymouth, purely by chance and only for a few months. And was technical manager there within a year and then met the now wife and got the mortgage and the rest is kind of history. And then in 96, uh, decided to kind of leave and set off on my own. Um, and the first job I did was a, a, actually a three-day music festival for the local authority. Um, and that was the origins of Pyramid. First few years of Pyramid were very much about kind of standing in muddy fields doing outdoor festivals and, and all that kind of stuff. Quickly learned that wasn't the best thing to do and, and kind of migrated indoors and did a lot of conferencing uh, production. So fast forward a number of years, we kind of developed our business so that we were doing events, large award ceremonies, conferences, exhibitions. Another part of the group um, was doing AV installations and less to do with the kind of consumer side, I suppose. It was not a consumer market at that point. It was very much a commercial AV market. Mm. That's continued to grow. And where we are now is that we have technically three divisions within Pyramid. Um, one focusing still on events, but much smallest part of the business, I suppose. Um, the commercial EV by turnover, I suppose, is the largest part, a lot of office fit-outs and things. Um, but actually, the bit that's most interesting to me personally is the lighting design division that we have, um, as well as, of course, the intelligent homes and cinemas that we design. So there's a kind of 30-year quick-potted history of, of, of where I come from. So, James, you're all about residential. Can you tell us a little bit about this experience centre that you've recently opened? Yeah, sure. So 
We have done home cinemas for many years, but what I was finding was that we were, we were only doing either Sonos play bars or really big expensive cinemas and nothing in, in the middle. So I wanted to build a demonstration facility that we could use to bring our clients to, to be able to sell a, a more mid-price cinema. Because we could get clients to go to our distributors' um, demonstration rooms, which are quite often very, very high-end. So it was really just to enable us to sell sort of more of that middle, what frankly is the most profitable one, because you might only do a really big cinema, you know, once every year or two. Um, whereas, uh, you know, we want to be able to do um, a, a 30 or 40,000 pound cinema, you know, every month or two. Um, so that was the reason for, for, for building a cinema room. But then when we, when I started looking at it, we I decided that actually it would be great to have a media room system as well. And then, and then I thought, well, it'd be nice to have, you know, a completely hidden system too, so we could do that. And, and I thought, well, it'd be good to have a, a maybe a different type of projection system in, in that other room. And, and then, well, we do do hidden TVs as well. So we have a mirror TV and, and a pop-up TV. And, and then it'd be great to have some of those motorized doors that Future Automation do. And, and lighting was a, was a really big part of the space. Before I knew it, I, yeah, I'd got kind of carried away. Um, I'm not sure that I would have budgeted to spend what we did in the end at the beginning of the project, but I was so far in uh, two thirds of the way through that I couldn't turn back. So we just had to do it. And, um, and I'm glad we did in hindsight, uh, although I wouldn't have had the balls to do it like this right from the start. Yeah. <laughs> but for anybody listening, can you just describe the different spaces? Yeah, sure. So it's about 1500 square feet and we've divided it into, we've, we've, overall we've made it look like a luxury apartment. So we've got a, a media room type area, which has got hidden in it three different surround sound systems, but it's a sofa with some nice furniture and beautiful lighting. And it's designed to look like someone's living room. Then we've got a, a dedicated cinema room, uh, which we're sitting in now, which is about three and a half meters by five and a half meters. And it's got a full Atmos system with acoustic treatments and uh, masking, projector screen, and, and 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 all the sort of the the cool stuff that any CDM member would want to put in their cinema, really. And then on top of that, we've also got that the cinema is quite unusual in its design. And the the back doors of the cinema are two sliding pocket doors um, that are motorized uh, with a bar at one end so a bar a drinking bar not yeah a yeah yeah bar. that's right yeah so you can the idea being that with the low low um uh, the low backed sofas that we've got you can sit at the bar and watch the big screen which is makes the room more of a social room you know if you're watching sport or something like that with your mates it's uh hopefully it means that cinema rooms will get a bit used a bit more because one of the complaints that we do hear a lot is that Cinema rooms just don't tend to get used. You know, they're quite often in the basement or in the loft and they're not really connected to the house. Um, so by building it like this, we tried to show that if it can be a, a more sort of multi-purpose room. Um, and in actual fact, to say we've had a couple of clients who have actually changed the design of their house since seeing this to be the same way. So with a with a bar uh, and, and, the, and the double sliding doors. So um, I think people struggle sometimes to visualize what their home might look like and and if you can show them it then they're like oh yeah that's what i want yeah um and uh so so there's that we also got um lots of beautiful lighting throughout the whole place which is was, was key to the whole thing but i guess we're going to talk more about that we'll um, talk shortly, more about so. that in a minute yeah but i think that's interesting that you've called it the experience center and i think you know technology is often disconnected from the actual experience, but it makes a big difference for people to come and see and 
inhabit a space like this? Yeah, absolutely. It's really difficult to turn up at a meeting or at someone's house and sell all this stuff just by waving your arms around. You know, you really need to get people in here and, and let them touch and feel and, and experience everything that we do. What about you, Nick? Do you have showrooms as well? Yeah, so we took a slightly different approach with our showroom. We opened our showroom last year. However, our journey was probably slightly elongated other in that we, we were chatting earlier on about how you, you, many years you'd been here and how you kind of managed to evolve the showroom. We had this kind of ironic kind of scenario where we wanted to build a showroom to get more business and we're too busy to finish our showroom. So it took much longer than it really should have done. But nonetheless, we, we had a push last year. Um, and actually the last piece of the puzzle for us was our cinema room. Um, and we put a, a great deal of effort into that. But the whole showroom experience absolutely echo a lot of your comments. You know, at the end of the day, people find it difficult to envisage exactly what you're talking about. And, you know, and you can explain all day long about press this button and X and Y happens. But until they're in the space and they literally experience it for themselves, then it translates into, ah, you know, you see the light bulb literally coming on with a lot of clients. So, yes, we've got our, our, our showroom. It's working extremely well for us. Um, in fact, we, we were highly commended in the CD Awards last year for our showroom, which we were very happy to receive. And it has been a really great investment. So I'd certainly, as I say, echo James's comments. I think that anybody that's got the opportunity to have a space and to be able to invest into a showroom, I would highly encourage them to do so if they can. Excellent. And in fact, you mentioned the CD Awards. The, the awards actually open for entries this month. And I know that you won Best Lighting Design. Was that in previous years as well? 2017 actually, our first attempt uh, in terms of CD award entries. Um, so we we actually entered three awards um, and were shortlisted for uh, all three. So it was Best Integrated Home, Best Home Cinema, Level 2, and then also Best Lighting. Um, and then we ended up winning two out of the three. So that's not a bad result for our first attempt, one of which was, yeah, Best Lighting for a project that we did in Scotland. And how how would you describe the process of entering? It's hard work, but actually, what I'm, a, I'm a great advocate of the fact that what CDA does in a, in a in a broad sense is, of course, is all about developing us as an industry, and that's everything from our own professional experience, the way in which we engage with our customers, but more importantly, I think, from a technical competence point of view, how do we design things? How do we come up with the projects? How do we make sure that the engineering stacks up on day one? In other words, it, you know, our our edict, if you like, in our office is very much a case that. We kind of call ourselves creative engineers to coin a phrase, which is literally, if it doesn't work on paper, if it doesn't work in an engineering sense, then it's not going to work and we're going to find ourselves with problems. And of course, you learn over time with experience uh, and, and hindsight and all that good stuff. You translate that into um, the way in which you approach CD awards. And if you've got a very disciplined way of designing projects, the, the, the paperwork, the documentation, the plans, the technical considerations and calculations and all the things that we should do on a day-to-day -day basis uh, for most of our projects, the ones that certainly are big enough to qualify that kind of work, you should really should have that anyway. information yeah. anyway, yeah. you see. So when people say to me, well, the CD Awards, there's such an, an amount of work and you know I haven't got the time, I do counter it by saying, well, that either suggests to me that you're not really designing the systems that you're doing or you're not really working, in my opinion, hard enough to make sure that the systems you're designing are of the correct standard to meet the yeah, expectations. I, I, I'd absolutely agree. That I think where um, we're, we, we ended our first, the first time uh, last year and we were highly commended, which I was pleased about. That was for best integrated home level two. But what, where I, I got lost is the, the essay questions 
between, it's something you said, do, do between 200 words and 3,000 words. And I, I can be quite verbose at times. And I, uh, towards the 3,000 words, so I, I had like six essay questions at 3,000 words long or something, and um, I ended up writing a lot. And then at one point, Peter Aylett said that, oh, we hate it when we get entries like this, because it takes us ages to sift through them. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, yeah, but, no, absolutely right. If you've got your documentation right in the first place, then 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 that part of it is, uh, is relatively low effort, yeah. I think so. I mean, it can be a laborious process, particularly with some of the bigger topics, such as integrated homes or whatever, you know. But, you know, there is huge value in doing so. The benefits of taking part and winning, I mean, obviously everybody, everybody enters to win. If you do win, what does that bring to your business? Is it, is it just a, something to put on your website or does it actually go beyond that? Um, well, for me personally, I think that because, you know, regardless of how well your documentation is put together and, you know, the, uh, how laborious or not the process may be for each individual company, the process of getting an award for us personally is as much about showing our competence to our customers um, and yes it's always nice to have awards and plaudits from a kind of within the industry in terms of kind of you know peer recognition but it's for us all about putting effort in in terms of demonstrating um, that we are a professional company that we are able to show and prove what we do um, is to a certain standard and and you know the icing on the cake is to have an award but it is a huge accreditation of, of your own competence. And I think that's the main reason why I think we put the effort in that we do to, to put in for the awards. And have you actually had any clients comment about that particularly, or I notice you're an award winner, for example? Or something? Absolutely. We've had a number of inquiries. Um, so, for example, when we won Best Home Cinema uh, last year, the, the, or the year before last, we had a phone call from a client in, uh, in Ireland um, who, who literally started the conversation by saying, I want to cinema. Um, so I decided to look uh, at who was um, most prominent within Cedia. And I thought that was great that at least he, A, he knew about Cedia and looked at Cedia as his starting point for his journey. Um, and subsequently we had, of course, had just won that award. So he said, well, you're the best in the industry this year. So therefore I've picked the phone up to you. Simple as that. So that big tick, of course, that's great. That's a great response. Um, subsequently, we've got a project at the moment we're working on, actually, where, again, the first conversation pretty much started with the client expressing the desire or asking the question, literally, what do we have to do to win a CD award? Which I thought was fantastic that, A, again, they were aware of it, you know, um, but that they clearly had a desire um, to create something that was was unique and and uh, and kind of worthy. So I think everywhere that we are in our business, there's reactions to the awards that we've won. In other words, the credibility I was speaking of is part of that whole thing that we are now as a company. But yeah, it's great when somebody comes along and actually literally says, you know, we'd like to kind of get involved because you're an award winner. Yeah, no pressure on this cinema either. <laughs> no. Yes. Well, we'll wait and see what what turns out. Yeah. Excellent. And I. I bet that you're thinking about entering this showroom in the best showroom category as well, James. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, you know, we, we've spent a ton of uh, time, effort and money building this and it would be nice to get some recognition. But there are a lot of other lovely showrooms out there as well. So um, I know the competition's stiff. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how we go. Well, I'll vote for you, mate. I think it's great. It's a fab, <laughs> it's a fab showroom. Really, really well done. That's yeah. Fantastic. Thank you very much. 
Excellent. Well, look, if you want to find out more about the Cedia Awards, then uh, check out the links available with this episode. And if you want to hear more on what it takes to win, then head to the Main Stage Theatre at ISE 2019. That's taking place at the start of February in Amsterdam, of course, where Cedia will be hosting a series of free talks with award-winning integrators who will be revealing the secrets of their successes. Details on the ISE website. Keep listening for your chance to win a Sony native 4K home cinema projector. Distributed in the UK by AWE. Now we're going to uncover some of Nick Black's secrets in our quickfire Q&A. James has the questions. Nick, are you ready to reveal as much as you can about yourself in 30 seconds? Absolutely not. Perfect. (laughs) Right. Ready, steady, go. What's the one thing you have in common with the Great Pyramids of Egypt? That'll be our name. What's the first single you ever bought? Living on the Ceiling by Blamange. Wow. Who is your greatest Scottish sportswoman or man? Uh, I'm going to say Alan Wells, but that's showing my age. What's the best live concert for lighting you've ever seen? Too many to remember, but the one that sticks out is Blur when they first started. Trainspotting or Gregory's Girl? Uh, Trainspotting. (laughs) Which recently invented technology is having the biggest effect on your business? Immersive audio. Hi, I'm James, Home Cinema Trainer and Product Manager at AWE. We distribute Sony Home Cinema Projectors to UK retailers and installers. Sony's range of native 4K projectors are priced from £5,000 to £65,000. AWE have combined with the Integrated Home Podcast to give UK residential technology integrators the chance to win a Sony VPL VW270 native 4K home cinema projector retailing at £5,000. To enter, simply direct messages on Twitter at AWE underscore Europe and answer the following question. What is the SRP price range of Sony's native 4K home cinema projectors? For more chances to enter, listen to episodes two and three for additional questions. The winner will be announced in episode four. Competition closes at 9am on the 8th of April 2019. For full terms and conditions, visit integratedhome.podient.co. So the world of lighting in the home has changed significantly over the years with the advent of LEDs and digital control. But how important is it in your business and how easy is it to get up to speed with lighting design and lighting control to make it part of your business? More importantly, what are the risks if you don't? Nick, now Pyramid Group has been involved in lighting for many, many years. Um, How significant is it for your company and where do you think it's going? Um, Yeah, it's a large part of who we are. Uh, lighting design it's a very part of a large part of who I am and, and therefore that's something we've developed over the years it's a it's a passion so it's an important part of who we are as a company to bring lighting into the uh, kind of integrated home into the interiors um, is very much about kind of complementing all the other technologies that we bring uh, to that sector and if we didn't have lighting as part of our portfolio we would certainly be losing out on a lot of opportunity not only to ultimately sell our services and, and, and some product alongside that. But actually we have a lot of conversations leading towards projects uh, that start with um, a lighting design requirement um, and then subsequently lead into, oh, you can also do the whole house audio or we're thinking about a cinema or whichever direction it takes. So actually I would say that 50% of the inquiries that we have originate from a lighting discussion. So it's hugely important to us. 
And is that growing or is that staying about the same? No, it's growing very much on a daily basis. We get inquiries that literally start with lighting, oh, and then you can look at. Um, so I think it's a really important part of who we are within Cedia as a group of integrators. So how does that compare to your experience, James? Yeah, we, we've been doing lighting control uh, for well over a decade, but it's only really in the last couple of years that we've taken um, sort of a foray into lighting design and, and supply of, a, of an end-to-end -end system. So in the old days, we were quite often called upon to uh, just to, to supply all the dimmers and the keypads. Um, but uh, now, because we're doing more in, in terms of design, we started out working, we paired up with a, with a friendly lighting designer to work with as a team. So we were the main contractor or the, the interface of the client, but we were um, helping them work with, uh, with the lighting design company that we were using. But now we, we're, we're doing more and more of that in-house. And that has many benefits, mainly because we're in control of the whole thing. So things like uh, making sure that the, the technology of the dimming is correct um, in the Previously, if we work with a lighting designer, quite often lighting designers aren't actually particularly technical. Um, they might be good on the creative side of things, but actually working out how things are going to be controlled and where drivers are going to be located and all this kind of thing, they quite often don't go into that kind of detail. So having a, a company that understands the whole package um, is, uh, is beneficial for the, for the client and the electrical contractor as well. Sure, sure. Um, what about educating interior designers and architects about the fact that you guys operate and can deliver those kind of services. How easy is that to do? Well, uh, for, for me, I think it's uh, the, the, one of the biggest hurdles is actually getting, you know, architects, bless them, you know, you know, they have a notion that they can do lighting design. I think this is a problem that a lot of, a lot of the time we face. So unless an individual client comes to us or it's come from an interior designer who's got an understanding that lighting is an important part of them creating their vision, if you like. So they've got a buy-in straight from the outset. A lot of the time, architects understand, of course, the importance of lighting, but a lot of the time they'll think they can do it themselves. And we find ourselves in the place that you've just described, James, which is around this kind of idea that they can come up with the concepts and they can kind of do some beautiful things, but they haven't got the first idea of actually how to deliver that technically. Um, so I think that lighting kind of, as I say, comes from a bunch of different kind of directions, but my experience is that, you know, the design and the technology ultimately and trying to keep, as James keeps talking about, keeping it away from the gadgetry and the, it's all about the solution, it's making things beautiful and that's part of, w lighting shouldn't be the one thing that stands out. It's the same thing as audio, you know, audio should be beautiful and, and, and all around you, but you shouldn't be necessarily aware of the fact that there's a speaker in that wall over there, whether to hear it directly or to see it. You know, it's all blending that whole experience, I think. So very complementary to the toolkit of what an integrator does provide. Absolutely. So talking about lighting design, how easy is it for integrators to educate themselves about what makes a good lighting design? I think to a certain extent, you just need to get involved and, and start doing it. For teaming up with a, a friendly lighting designer um, to maybe uh, help you through your first couple of jobs um, is a good idea. That's certainly how, how we've done it. Um, but once you've learned the, the various basic principles, I actually think the, the, the technical delivery of it is, um, is the, the trickier part. Do you, most integrators are comfortable with that to a, to a greater or lesser extent. Um, but I think most integrators aren't so comfortable with the creative side of lighting design. Um, 
Um, and if, you, if you're that way inclined, if you are a creative person, if you've got someone who is creative in your business, um, I don't think it's, it's a particularly difficult skill set to learn, uh, frankly. Mm, I don't okay. know if I'm under, underselling it, perhaps. But, uh... So as a professional lighting designer, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think you're, you are right. I mean, ultimately, experience in all, all, all walks of life is, is, is a big contributor. But you're right. You know, the, the technical side of what we do is, is, is a given, I think. And as long as you're kind of competent in those areas, then you, you can deliver it very well. I think once you've understood some of the, you know, take a look around your, your showroom here, James. You know, there's lots of, um, if you like, vignettes of different styles of lighting, different treatments, whether it's combinations of different types of luminaires, different ways in which you can kind of use lighting. And, and, and surely, you know, your clients will stand there and go, well, I like this or I don't quite like that. And all of the different types of lighting there are frankly just copied from jobs that we've done. Mm. You know, we are over the years, we, yeah. we've seen loads of really beautiful and interesting lighting um, effects. And um, we really are just taking all my favorite ones. And I spend a lot of time just looking at lighting product websites and um, I think like very much like um, audio visual and, and networking and all that sort of stuff I'm into it as well I enjoy it and I find it interesting um, and I think it's much easier to learn how to be good at something if you genuinely love doing it or just default uh, to plagiarism <laughs> generally is the way forward yeah, yeah. Is, uh, <laughs> yeah. absolutely yeah. well uh, you know if someone else has done a great job at something then um, then why not why not copy it <laughs> what is it mimicry's there Imitation, exactly. Yeah, I think there is a danger. I mean, you're absolutely right. You know, you should, lighting should be fun. It should be interesting. It's a layer. It's something that should complement everything else that's happening within a space. We've talked about that. You know, as a lighting designer, certainly I take a t different view because we're involved in a lot of different projects which are outside of the home. So we, we use lighting in a very technical sense and we have to prove the lighting and, and, and the way in which the lighting is going to perform within an environment. So I will look at it in a very engineering kind of way. Yeah, I, um, don't, that, that, I don't find that's the same in a residential space. Absolutely not though. applicable not, in a residential space. We're not worried absolutely so much about not. lumen yeah. levels and all that mm. kind of stuff. Mm. And we're not doing it with dialux, is it? Or the, all those kind of very technical um it's just not really used in a home so i think um i think really to to the most senior integrators i would just say just start doing it just just get involved you know yeah. um and I, I i think it's too easy to be scared of stuff like this yeah. just you just gotta you gotta get the experience somewhere and uh, there isn't that said there isn't a lot of training out there um specifically yeah that. Well, i was going to say about that i know that cd is bringing out a cpd that's meant to be delivered by integrators to designers and architects later this year. Should be coming out fairly soon, I would have thought, in 2019. Um, but in terms of integrators wanting to learn how to do lighting design, I'm not aware of there being any great education route into that. I'm a bit conflicted in this whole discussion um, because I absolutely agree with your direction and the position you find yourself in and how you found yourself doing lighting. And I'm particularly uptight about lighting. So that's why it's kind of hard for me to, to take a slightly more kind of, not accidental, haphazard or, or, you know, but to learn and to learn by doing and all the rest of it. I, I, I've lived with lighting and design all of my life. So I, I am taking a completely different view. But in terms of how do you light, how do you learn about lighting design? Yes, you learn by looking at what other people have done, of course, absolutely, and taking um, you know, notice of what other people are doing and what you think you like personally and trying to kind of give a lot of different independent views to, different, to customers so they can make their own kind of choices. 
as always, half, half of our job is about educating, isn't it? And, and yeah. you know, as you were talking about earlier on in terms of when people come into the experience center that you have here, it's as much about putting them in the environment so they can actually go, oh, right, yeah, I see exactly what you mean, whether that's the shape of a space, the, 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 the quality of the audio, or indeed the, the type of lighting effect that you're putting across. But there are, I think, a lot of dangers in lighting as well, lighting done badly. And in my experience, when you have got people that just go in with a bit of a gung-ho approach, you talked earlier, with you've got a really good demonstration between a, a, a cheap um, you know, distributor, electrical distributor type of downlight, yeah. which is nothing other than a ubiquitous kind of halogen replacement, which just blats light everywhere. And it's yeah. a technical description, by the way, blats yeah. light everywhere. <laughs> And then you've got a properly designed luminaire, which is a deep set LED engine. It's got, you know, uh, optics, it's controlling the lighting, it's controlling the glare. And what it does ultimately from a layman's point of view, you either have a flat, very uninteresting light rendered onto the flowers, the vase of flowers that you have on, on your shelf, as opposed to the one that's next to it as an AB comparison where it's well controlled, the light quality, the rendering of the light, the color quality, uh, all of the things I can get really uptight about most people will look at it and go, well, that one's clearly much nicer and much better and more effective and much more pleasing. So I do have to caution myself when I get into this situation where we start talking about kind of what's important in lighting. At the end of the day, I think you're absolutely right. It's about the experience. It's about what looks nice, what looks correct. Um, and yeah, I maybe want to stop being quite so uptight about it, frankly. <laughs> yeah, but in terms of integrators, getting into doing more supply of the whole end-to-end -end solution. Um, I, uh, I, I don't think, I think we're doing a lot of the hard bit already. Um, and I think a lot of people are scared of getting into it. When if they just teamed up with a friendly lighting designer, yeah, yeah. bought a couple of books, mm -hmm. really it, it researched it in the same way that they would if they were you know, looking at products for a cinema or whatever, then I think it's uh, not beyond the wit of the average integrator to be uh, reasonably good at lighting design in yeah, a relatively short disagree. space of time. Okay, gloves off. Right. <laughs> what about uh, human-centric lighting? A lot of talk about that. Is wellness in the home going to drive more lighting business your way? Well, I come from a position of having, so the, 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 the award that we won, you know, the project in Scotland, Ladies Lake, um, which was a fantastic project to be involved with, and we were very, very lucky. And as part of our overall lighting design and kind of integrated home, we effectively designed, in a sense, kind of, I suppose, loosely pioneered our own uh, human-centric lighting or circadian lighting or dynamic lighting, choose whichever title you want. Um, so I've got a, a, a real direct experience and a lot of understanding. And we currently have projects um, ongoing where actually that's the whole driver of the actual lighting design and the solution that we're creating. So. Um, as I say, for me personally, I think the, the wellness, the human-centric lighting is a really interesting area, but it's still a very, very niche area, I think. James, are you getting any interest? or Certainly no one's walking in saying I want human-centric lighting, no. But I do think, uh, I think it's, a, it's a, a valid thing. And I think in, in the next five years or so, maybe it will become a bigger part. But right now, I'm not really aware of too many products even that will give you a, a, in a straightforward manner anyway without you know with there, there are certainly you know we've got warm dim and, and all these kind of technologies but there's nothing um there's nothing out there that's off the shelf in the uk anyway um i don't think anywhere there is to be honest which is why we struggled when, when we did the one project we did yeah. ketra is the only thing that i've seen that 
looks uh, vaguely approaching the sort of product that I've got in mind when I think of, mm. of human-centric lighting. So it's certainly interesting, and yes, I think in the future it'll work, but right now I don't think the technology is quite there. There's, there's nothing within any of the lighting control systems that we're installing at the moment that would allow for it to be easily controlled without an awful lot of very clever programming. There's a lot of effort. <laughs> we, when we did Ladies Lake, we had to do you know, custom drivers, design our own curve. Uh, and you know, I found myself banging my head against an awful lot of um, manufacturers' doors because they all were talking about, we do dynamic lighting, we're doing dynamic lighting. And, but the minute you scratch the surface and say, that's great. Okay, how do you you, actually you, do you've it? got two different types of LEDs <laughs> built into one product. You've got yeah. two color temperatures. That's not dynamic lighting. That's just color. That's mixing two different whites. Yeah. How are you actually going to control that? And the answer was either n n they didn't have a clue, frankly, or they just came out with some really random response. So that led us into creating our own system. Even now, what was that? It's five years ago when we started that particular journey. When you look at the lighting world, um, this, the, one of my big frustrations is that beyond the kind of standard control systems that you and I would use, whether it be DALI or, you know, in, in terms of color changing, maybe some DMX or something like that, they're not sticking to standards any longer. There's, there's DALI Type 8, which mm. has been around for a few years, and that was designed to have multi-channel control. But actually then manufacturers have to spend an enormous amount of money to integrate that and to change all of their existing DALI fixtures and drivers and so on. So. No, the simple answer is it's it's just not there. It's a lot of hard work to make it work. And what would you say lighting in terms of proportion of your business that's that's lighting now compared to AV? How is the it depends on the project, but we've got some projects where it's over half of the of the entire budget of the project. Um, in fact, a lady we had in here just yesterday actually, um, they've got a quite a big house, um, only two TVs in it. Um, that's being dealt with by SkyQ quite easily, so there's no video distribution. They've got a few pairs of plaster in speakers. So the, the AV portion of that is shrinking because more and more people are watching things on their iPads and, and all this kind of stuff. There's, there's less of a need for TVs around the house, I think. And, but they're, they're going really big on lighting. And as we walked around the showroom, she was very quick to point out the things that she was prepared to spend money on, and that was very nice light fittings and not so much audio-video products. Um, and I, I think that's becoming, we're seeing more of that. And frankly, for us, it's great as well because light fittings don't have HDMI connectors on them, which um, means that, <laughs> or, uh, which makes our life much, much easier. Um, um, lighting is generally really, really reliable, and it, and it doesn't need the same level of support that, um, that an audio-visual system does. There's also a perception in this industry that you are guys talking to guys in houses, so it exactly. would help broadening yeah. that conversation out to being about the whole family, wives and... Th yeah. Exactly, and, and lighting just comes from a different budget as well. It's a different pot of money, you know. The, the guy's been given his 100K or whatever it is for, for doing the AV in the house, whereas the lighting comes out of a completely different area. Um, and yeah, it's... Um, it's uh, so it's easier to get to, to raise the overall spend in the project. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's good margins, um, and and it's relatively pain-free. So yeah, I'm I'm all for it. You're a big advocate. <laughs> Any last uh, final advice for integrators? Uh, be creative and have fun with it, and don't be scared of it. I think in terms of lighting. Yep. Uh, no, I I'd, I'd absolutely agree. There are less and less opportunities to to make money with with audio visual at the at the 
apart from at the, the very high end of, of that scale, you know, with SkyQ and HDMI distribution dying and all of this, I, I think lighting is a, a really obvious place for a, a, an integrator to, to move into. Great advice. Thank you. Thank you to our guests, James and Nick, for those insights, and to James for hosting us here at the wonderful Homeplay Experience Centre. Next month, we'll be talking audio at the home of Hi-Res, that's Meridian Audio, in the company of Adept IS and Cyber Homes. Don't forget to enter our fantastic AWE competition to win a Sony projector. In the meantime, we'll be hanging out at ISE 2019, so do look out for us there. We're always open to your ideas for topics and expert guests on future shows. Remember, we're downloadable absolutely free from Apple Podcasts, from Spotify and audio on-demand platforms everywhere. You can also find us on Twitter, at The Int Home Pod, and on Facebook and Instagram. Please make sure you follow us to access industry-relevant news from the world beyond home integration. You can also download useful resources and find links to those topics discussed today. The Integrated Home is brought to you with the support of Meridian Audio and AWE. It's a Wildwood and Alfie Media production. The Integrated Home supports Together for Cinema. Together for Cinema is an AV industry movement that designs and installs cinema rooms in children's hospices across the UK. So far, thanks to the huge generosity of manufacturers, distributors and integrators freely giving of their time, products and expertise, we've created 21 dedicated cinemas. In these special places, children, their families, staff and volunteers are now enjoying fantastic movie experiences together. We want to build more rooms in more hospices for more children. To do that, we need your help. Visit togetherforcinema.co.uk and find out how you can be involved to help make short lives that little bit better.